motherhood. It doesn't look the same for any of us. But you know what? All of us are carrying around our own baggage. Whether it's helping your children with autism or anxiety, living with chronic illness, surviving from abuse in all of its forms, or feeling depressed and stuck in our lives, girl, I've got you. Mamas need love too. And this is the place where I want you to know you can let your hair down, take a breath, and just relax in the fact that you are not alone on this journey we call motherhood. We all have our mistakes, our victories, our stories, and ladies, I want to share those with you. So pour a coffee or a cup of tea and know that God totally loves you all the time. So let's get to it. Hello, friends. This is Shannon Early, the hostess of the Mamas Need Love podcast, and I am so glad that you guys have come back, or maybe you're here for the first time. Either way, I'm so glad that you're here because today I have a super special guest. She's actually already been on the show before, and she's lovely. She's a lovely Singaporean angel. I would like to welcome you guys. uh, Welcome Jenny Toe to my episode. Hey, Jenny, how you doing? Hey, hi, Shannon. Thanks for having me back. And yeah, just before we started recording, we were discussing, hmm, when was the last time we met? And we we actually did our first episode in January where we talked about motherhood, um, how to take care of ourselves and the challenges we face. And I think when we ended that session, we were saying, hey, no, let's let's come back again and, and uh, have a continued discussion because there are just so many things to talk about. So really, thanks for having me, Shannon. So yes. I mean, to your listeners... Uh, I'm a life coach and I'm also a lawyer and I'm a mother of three. So that's, that's a bit of the background. That's excellent. You're kind of, you've got all these really awesome, I feel like you're super well-rounded, you know, to be like, I'm a mother and a lawyer and a life coach. I feel like you must get this mothering thing really, really easy. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I wish, I think uh, being a lawyer is easier than being a parent and and being a life coach. I immerse myself in, in the client situation and kind of, detach myself from my own situation and my kids are very smart as, as with all children nowadays they, they will tell me mommy I sense a coaching question coming don't use it on me so, ah! and people have asked me have you been able to coach your children I'm like no family family members are the hardest people to coach because they know you so well and they know that no it's not going to fly with them so no I've, I've not coached my children uh I guess, in the real sense. But I do notice that being more self-aware as a person and as a coach, having more listening skills and really being able to be empathetic and non-judgmental, that has helped me uh, improve as a parent. But definitely not there yet, Shannon. It's all a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. So you said empathetic and non-judgmental. I love that. For those of you guys that um, are listening, could you give an example maybe of what it would mean to be empathetic towards your teenage or preteen kid? What would that look like? Yeah. So uh, to your listeners, I have three kids. My son is 17. So he's the eldest, the firstborn. And I've got two girls, uh, one 12 and one 10. So yes, one is on the verge of becoming a teenager. And I told her, you know, are you going to change overnight? Because I realized that with my son, as soon as he turned 13 and he changed schools, because naturally here in Singapore, that's when you progress to a higher level. Um, maybe it was with the change of school or, you know, going through puberty. He kind of like changed overnight. So I know it's quite a generalization to say that when you hit 13, you know, you really become a teenager. But for him, 
that rang true. He really changed mm. overnight. So my sweet young boy suddenly became this boy who was sulky and sullen and gave me one word uh, answers. So that, that was quite a big change. And uh, I think as a parent, I had to adapt, you know, from being parenting a boy to parenting a teenager and it wasn't easy. So I was telling my daughter, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't change yeah, overnight. Don't give me that. some warning. Yeah, yeah, give me some warning. I, I don't know how, how it turned out, but as you know, each child is different. So back to your question, being more empathetic and, and not judgmental. Teenagers, I find, especially from just looking at my son, has a lot of pride. Uh, they They want to... Uh, show people that they know everything, even though they don't. So it, it somehow comes up that uh, there's a lot of pride. They 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 don't they know everything. So when the mom will go in and say, "Hey, you know, I think uh, I can help you with this," or "I think you should do it that way," for them, it sounds like you're judging them. Mm-hmm. And I've done it with the best of intention. Like if if I seem struggling with a project, I said that you need my help, and then I'll just like discuss with him. So even if I take the gentle approach. He will feel that, oh, mom's judging me in that what I'm doing right now is not good enough. So it is quite, it's almost like a minefield that you have to navigate. You know, you want to help, but at the same time, you don't want to offer solutions. Uh, so there are times when he tells me, mom, I don't want you to be a helicopter mom. And then I'm like, am I ever? I mean, to me, it's like, <laughs> I never helicopter over him. But to him, his perception is that, you know, the, the moment I ask him a question about how is it going, do you need help? He he feels that, oh, you know, it's, it's mom starting to judge me that I am not able to do uh, this by myself. So right now what I do is I, I, I have told him, I'm not going to come and ask whether you need help with anything. It's your responsibility if you need help to come and find me or dad because our doors are always open. So we give him the autonomy to reach out for help. I guess the, the lesson that you have to learn as a parent is that you've got to wait, right? So sometimes you feel that, hmm, it's been really quiet so long. Does he need help? And are, are you see him coming home from school and he's all sullen and you want to like ask him, is something wrong? And uh, by doing that, sometimes he draws uh, more into his shell. This is because he's also an introvert. So I, I think if you're parenting extroverts, it may be a bit more different. They could come back and just download everything, right? It could be too much. But for an introvert, if he's having a bad day, he just withdraws even more to himself. So mm. what I do is I need to give him space. So that's when empathy comes in. As much as a mom, I want to find out what happened because clearly from his facial expressions, his physical behavior, something happened. But I need to be patient. I need to let him come to me. And, and that has worked. He will come to me like the later part of the day or sometimes the next day or even several days down the road. But I'll eventually know. So it's more like letting go and letting him take ownership of, you know, asking for help or reaching out. Ah, that sounds so hard, especially because being a mom, you know, his whole life, your whole job has been basically helping him, you know, this entire time. And in a way, as a mom, it's what we do to love them, you know, as far as saying, are you sure you want to wear that? And you know, I don't know if that's the oh, that's that's, that, that's a that's a no way, no no zone. Yeah, <laughs> no exactly. Zone. Say, you, and then they turn I'm into booking it from the boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so just... sometimes when he when he wears his dirty black t-shirt, you know, I I I have asked that question before, like you did, Shannon. Are you sure you're gonna wear that, or shouldn't that go in the laundry basket? And then you see his face turn black. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you just said the wrong thing. <laughs> that's the thing. I just feel like that's got to be so hard as a mom to do that switch. You know, because you're yeah. still parenting probably your youngest one, 
like, you know, a child. And so parenting a child versus a teen just sounds so different, you know? Yes. Yes. It's, um, I'm not going to lie to everyone and say that, oh, you know, you start work becoming their friend. You will never be their friend. That's that's the reality. We will always be parents. And and at teenage, at, being a teenager, friends are like the most important people in their life. So sometimes if I even say a comment about his friend innocently, he will take offense. And I'm like, oh, where did that come from? I did, I'm not even criticizing his friend. You know, just something in passing like, oh, you know, your, your friends are going out for dinner tonight. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Then he's like, so what's wrong with that? I'm like, that's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, he's, he's very protective of his friends, quite sensitive. So what I've learned is more to set expectations. So on a, on a good day, possibly like over the weekends, if I see that his behavior has been a bit off or things that, he, that or he's doing things that I'm not really agreeable about, we have a conversation about setting expectations, what I expect of him and, uh, you know, whether he agrees and what's his expectation of us as parents, you know, like uh, he he had a part-time job over the last uh, winter, I mean, uh, December break. Mm-hmm. So he had a lot of challenges uh, because he was working at a, like a, a restaurant, right? Waitering, cashiering and all that. That was his first part-time job. So he took it out on us every night when he came home because he's tired. He he just sort of like slammed the door and things like that. So I let that go for the entire week because I knew he was very tired. But on Sunday, <laughs> I said, hey, <laughs> you know, we've got to sit down and talk about your behavior this past week. What's been going on? And he told me, you know, how frustrating it is to deal with demanding customers who keep changing the orders. So I wanted to say, son, welcome to the real world. It's right, right. When, yeah. yeah, so I think it's a, it's a very good lesson to learn. But we sort of discussed like, yes, is there a better way for you to deal with frustration rather than, you know, take it out on us and throw tantrums at home? Yeah, so, I mean, he agreed that what, what he did wasn't quite right for the family and then he he behaved better, you know, in the coming weeks. So, so that was good. So what I do is set this kind of expectation conversations and after that, just, just let go because I've said my piece, I make sure it's very clear and then you, you know what I expect and if, if there are things that, you know, are not aligned, we'll have another conversation. And I know he doesn't really like having those conversations. Mm-hmm. So at least it's clear. And then he tells me what he expects of us as parents as well. So it's a two-way thing. So I have a question about like discipline, for instance. When a child is little, you know, that's when we might like slap their hand if they run in the road or put them in timeout or whatever it is. How do you discipline a teenager if they're doing something that's, out of line like what do you do do you just try to explain like we have expectations and you're not hitting it do you take things away like how have you handled that it's very hard to take things away that's that's the truth Shannon I mean I don't know whether some parents still enforce that I think if you do those kind of um, punishments it may draw a barrier in the relationship. So I believe that when your kids are young, really have a strong foundation in open Mm -hmm. and honest communication. Reaffirm your love for them time and time again. You can discipline them when they're young and they'll be crying and howling and saying, mommy, I hate you. At the end of it, underline it with, I didn't like your behavior. I didn't like what you did, but I still love you very much. So always underline it with love. And when you build that foundation, when your child becomes a teenager, hopefully he or she will remember how much you love you know, and you still love them. And I, I think for discipline, I, my husband and I have, well, my husband's the more strict type. So he has non-negotiable rules. And my son knows that if he breaks one of the non-negotiable rules, 
then there will be consequences. I mean, the consequences would be possibly he has to surrender something. So, so that's when if we have to give, he has to give up something, it has to be because it, he broke the non-negotiable rule. Thankfully, up till now, he hasn't. He has pushed boundaries, but you know, certain uh, non-negotiable rules in the family, he's, he's not broken it. So I think it's more of saying, you know what you need to do and you know the consequences of your action. Yeah, and we are not in a position to punish you, whether, you know, give you a slap on the head or take away your mobile phone. We're not doing that anymore because eventually you're going to be an adult. You're like two, three years shy from becoming an adult. You know, you don't need your parents to watch over you. You need to have your internal moral compass. And as Christians, you need to know your, your values as well, you know, in terms of, you know, the Bible and we even if your parents don't see what you're doing, God sees and he knows that. So he he knows that, that he is accountable. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you're I think, you know, that that encourages me because as a mom, um, the two things that we do that you said were pretty good, where we always let our kids know no matter what you do, we're always gonna love you. Like there's nothing you could possibly do that would, you know, take away our love. And then when you talked about separating the behavior from the kid, like you don't say that the kid is bad, but you might say like their behavior was bad, you know. Um, but then also setting them up on a strong foundation. You know, I forget that it's not like they just wake up and they're teenagers. Like, no, we have all these wonderful years helping to form them into hopefully, you know, an excellent teen. But still, do you feel like, uh, okay, everybody talks about how hard it is to parent teens. Like, it's just kind of known. Would you say that there's things that are easier parenting teens than you thought were going to be easy? Um, I must admit with my first one, it's been tough because one, he's my firstborn. So I was very close to him. Uh, Shannon, I even stopped work in the early years of his life just to be with him. So my girls are like, mommy, you're playing favoritism. When we were born, you were working. Yeah, <laughs> so why do yeah. you take time off? So they do feel that I, I really don't on, on the firstborn. I think it's quite natural. You, you don't on the firstborn and you, uh, you, you're really soft on the youngest. And then the middle child's like, Okay, what's going on here? <laughs> so, I mean, I think I struggled when he was 13, 14 because he pushed boundaries and he changed so much and we were like thinking, you know, what happened here? So, um, both my husband and I also reflected a lot and, and I guess went through some form of parenting guilt. Like, could we have prevented this? Could we have parented him differently? Could we have foreseen certain things? I'm not saying that my son did anything uh, terrible. Uh, it's just that he changed so much, you know, from being this fun loving kid to this sullen uh, black t-shirt wearing boy all the time, mm -hmm. you know, really black. Uh, facial expressions, black, attires, black, if everything's black. So I'm like, what happened to him from this bright, sunny boy to this? So I think it's normal for parents to go with this guilt. But at the end of the day, you know, my husband and I realized that he made the decisions himself. So we as parents, we cannot take responsibility for all that he is doing and saying right now. He is his own person. So uh, the, the hardest part was to let go of that, thinking whether it you know, was it our, could we have done something more? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, easy part would be, I think now our relationship is better. The, the communications are you know, more open now. And it's just a matter of reinforcing, you know, our love for him and what we expect. And, and these are not like big expectations, just like this is your house, not your hotel. Because sometimes when he comes home late from school, 
it's like he goes straight to his room. Um, he, he eats very fast, so he finishes his dinner like in 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, you're supposed to do the dishes. You're supposed to clear her table and not disappear. Can't we have a decent conversation? So those are my expectations. And, and he knows that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not like asking him to do, you know, anything big. Yeah, so it's more like repeating the expectation. But I'm also careful not to sound like I'm nagging him. Because I, I asked him once, why do you say that mommy's nagging? Because mm. then he told me, you said it more than once. I'm like, oh, okay. If I said it more than once, it's nagging. So Yeah, right. Now, You're like, so why didn't you do it the first time? <laughs> yes, exactly. But then that will open up another conversation. So I think it's also taking feedback. So now that he's a teenager, I expect him to, you know, be mature in his thinking or at least start to get more mature in his thinking so we can have conversations. And there is a problem. Instead of me offering the solution, I will ask him, well, what do you want to do about it? What are your possible options? Then, mm-hmm. then that's almost like a coaching question. So he will uh, tell me and then I won't pass judgment on whether one option is better on the other and, and just let him talk it through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it, in the sense that I am slowly to learn to see him like a young adult because before long he will be one. Mm-hmm. And you and you feel like it's pretty normal what he's going through, right? I mean, isn't part of it the separation? There's a little bit of that rebellion going on because eventually they're going to leave the nest, right? It's kind of a normal thing that's going on. Yes. That's yes. still so scary. I know, I know. And I'm so grateful, like like uh, what you said, yours are all under 10. I'm so grateful that I have friends and, and Christian friends who have uh, grown up men as sons. So they come and tell me, Jenny, it's all right. My son went through that and then he will come around when he is older or when he starts his own family, he'll remember that. Ah, no wonder my mom said all those things because he's going through it when he eventually becomes a father. So I get the assurance from my friends that, yes, this is something he needs to go through and, and find himself you know, in, in his own way. All we need to do is just to be there for him to, you know, to remain open and uh, not just him for the decisions that he's made yeah Mm -hmm. oh that's so that's great that's so hard but it's great but you're right none of us want to be judged about what we're doing you know that's just not I mean God says not to judge other people right that's he's our ultimate judge he's the guy that's got it all in control so what would you say is something that you enjoy seeing in your son as he grows what is something that you like about him as a teenager I think he, because he's an introvert, he's very reflective. A lot of times the softer side of him comes up, how he cares for his sister. Although his sisters would say that, you know, uh, brother has changed so much. He's so mean to us at times. But I can see there are moments where there is that softer side and where that he cares for his uh, sisters. And he'll actually ask me, oh, what happened to her? Why is she, you know, so upset? So you do see moments of that. And I... I feel very touched and moved when I see that softer side because I believe that those are the values that I have inculcated in him when he was younger and that eventually he will be this fine young man. So I think for us as parents, we see the potential, just like God sees the potential in us. We are still all a work in progress. So it's just to see that potential. And then when I see that potential, my interactions with him is also raised to a higher level. It's not like, oh, you know, you didn't put the laundry in a basket. You didn't tidy up your room. It's more like, you know, I can see what you did with your friend. You know, you comforted your friend when he was going through a tough time and recognizing those strengths and, and those traits. And 
then he feels affirmed. He may like shrug it off, like, okay, that was nothing. But I think quietly within himself, those kind of positive reinforcement also takes takes to his heart. And I hope it encourages him. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I remember being a teenager. You just think your parents are so dumb. You just think so they have uncool, no idea. Right? Yeah, they're not. Yeah, cool. <laughs> they have no idea what I'm going through. They've never, you know, been this age. You just can't even imagine that they would understand. So I, I, but I do know that those sweet words that you give him and everything, I know that they are taking root within him, even if he's not letting you know, you know, I know that they are, and it is really, really important, but it is really also hard to pour love onto somebody when they're kind of like deflecting it or really not giving it back to you. That's really hard too. I mean, yeah. as a mom, so then, then, then I get it from my youngest. So sometimes when I, I, I really face a bad day with him, I will turn to my girls and get the hugs and, and the affirmation I need. So, I mean, for, for those who just have one teenager and, and you can't get it from your other kids, uh, you know, focus on, on filling up your cup. I think we talked about this in the, in the earlier episode, like yes. taking care of yourself. What we do, what do we do to take care of ourselves? We do need to take care of ourselves because at the end of the day, it's not your responsibility to make sure he has a good day. It's your responsibility to make sure that no matter what happens, you will still have a good day. Mm-hmm. So it's not about being selfish. It's just understanding he chooses to react this way. You don't have to react this way because he reacts this way. Although I know that negative energy tends to rub off on, on people. Yeah. Yeah. That's really hard, but that's a good point. But you know, when my eldest, we tend to walk on eggshells a little bit with my eldest. Sometimes she has a little bit more of a, she has high functioning autism, but she also has kind of an, her emotion swings can be pretty big and it can be really difficult. But when she's having like an angry outburst or she's moody all day, it's so hard for me not to feel the same way. Like I just feel so aggravated or anxious or angry, you know? Um, So that is really hard, but it's right when you can say, you know, she's feeling this way. I don't have to feel this way. You know, it's okay to be able to separate yourself um, from yeah. it. It's, it's tough, Shannon. So on those instances, you know, what you do is you should walk away and give yourself space. As long as she's having a temper tantrum or angry outburst in a safe place, nothing sharp, no sharp objects on her. Right, right. Just let her be, walk away. Because there are times when I, you know, in my earlier years, I was like, okay, I need to talk him out of this temper tantrum or get him out of this mood. And it's not workable. It's like a it's like a hurricane, right? The closer you are to it, you get sucked in. So actually, you should pull yourself away. Let the hurricane settle. You know, with all the debris everywhere, then you come back and kind of like do a post mortem. But what I've done is actually I've gone into the hurricane, and both were. I ended up being very angry with him. He ended up even more angry, and we said you know words that were hurtful, and I reflected that that wasn't. The, definitely the right approach. So now it's like, okay, as much as I want to get into that hurricane of fury, I step away. I'm like, yeah. okay, let's give him a few hours and then we'll talk after that. So that's awesome. I've never heard that analogy, but it makes totally perfect sense. Uh, the hurricane, you had talked about different ways that we can love our children well, being empathetic and non judgmental, and also about taking care of ourselves. I was wondering, is there any other advice? that you would give to a mom who is either in the throes of teenagerhood or who's getting ready to start that journey? What would you tell her? 
seek the wisdom of others. I mean, what I'm sharing is what I've learned, yes, from my own experience, but also encouragement from friends who have gone ahead of me. And you, you have a good support network and, and, you know, have friends who have younger kids as well so that you can reflect like, oh, okay, my son was like that. Oh, that was really nice. <laughs> you know, and then have, have friends who have older kids and uh, who can say, you know, don't worry, it's going to be okay. And, and if you're a believer, you know, always surround yourself with praying friends. I know that a lot of my friends pray for me when we go through hard times with my son, uh, when I, I feel that, oh, you know, he's really built this wall and I can't talk to him anymore. I remember all of us coming together and praying for him. Yeah, so that's that's not, not an advice, but I would encourage you if you don't have a strong support network uh, of close friends or family members, start one now because parenting shouldn't be done alone. Yes, he's your kid or she's your kid, but it's not done alone. It's, we, we grow as parents, you know, collectively sharing on each other's experiences. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's Yeah, it takes a village, right? There's a saying yes. about that. Yes. Yeah, but now, now in this day and age, we're also isolated. So what happened to our village? <laughs> Maybe it has to be a virtual village, right? I know. And we could have a, a whole, bit self-centered. We could have a whole episode about that. It drives me nuts. <laughs> I feel so bad how alone everybody, you know, anyways. Um, so this has been Jenny Cho from River Life Coaching. Jenny, where can they find you if they're interested in either coaching or interviewing you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so, so like you said, my company is River Life Coaching. So it's www.riverlifecoaching.com. Can, you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook under Jenny Toh, T-O-H, or River Life Coaching. I'm, I'm there on both fronts. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming back, Jenny, and sharing your pearls of wisdom. Thank you, Shannon, for having me. Yeah. All right, friends. Thank you so much for coming back to Mama's Need Love. Remember that God totally loves you all the time. You are beautiful, you are worthy, you are loved, and you are important. Remember, you can also like, subscribe, review, share my episodes, whatever it is. You can listen to them on all the devices where you stream music. And if you wanted to check out more behind-the-scenes action, you can always go to mamasneedlove.com or send me an email at mamasneedlove365 at gmail.com. Thank you so much, guys, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.